All right, turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. It is in the Bible. Romans chapter 3. So, school is almost over. I should just leave it alone. But I'm going to give you guys a pop quiz, okay? Can somebody name the five senses of the human body? Homeschooler in the back. Is that five? Yes. I'm a homeschool dad, so maybe I, I might get it wrong. For most people, these senses work fine. We can see the beautiful sunsets. We can taste good food. We can feel the sand between our toes at the beach. Which our family's going to go to the beach in a couple of days. We're looking forward to that. We can hear and enjoy good music. The Bible highlights another part of our being, that these senses feed into. The senses that you use every day inform the very core of your being, your heart. For example, you watch your favorite team or you see a great movie, your heart is stirred in your emotions. You hear a song and your heart is moved. You taste something good and sometimes we call it soul food because it tastes so good. It hits something in our heart. It moves us. But these senses have a greater purpose. God designed us with the ability to take in and enjoy all of what these receptors are telling you to help you see and delight in the glory of God. The heart is the main control room of these five senses. The Bible says that we live out of our hearts. Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Everything you do flows from it. But because of the fall, because of sin, the glory of the Lord is a language our hearts do not understand, that do not know naturally. Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? Seeing the beauty of the Lord in creation is like looking at ancient ruins. Those ancient markings may be interesting, but it will not move our hearts. We cannot understand it. Jesus echoes this original call for all of humanity and says, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. But because of the fall, that's like telling a blind person to enjoy the sunset. They don't have that sense. Listen to the effects of the fall in our hearts our spiritual separation before we're saved. This is from Genesis 6-5. Every intention of the heart, of man's heart, is only evil continually. Proverbs 95, and is picked up again in, in Hebrews chapter 3, says, they always go astray in their hearts. They do not know my ways. Because of sin, our heart's condition is not God we're facing, but we're bent in on ourselves. So when I was younger, uh, Dad, my parents had a uh, big, ugly satellite dish. It's not the little small ones you get these days, but it's a, it was a huge fiberglass one. It was in the middle of our yard. It was completely, absolutely Alabama, completely redneck. And at some point in time, Dad just decided to cut the, we decided to do something else, and he 
He cut the power. It no longer received a signal. It was just out there. Before God saved us, that's what our dead hearts are like. It's there. It, it should function, but it does not. It's disconnected. So before we get to Romans 3, I want us to see how God shows us His value, the value of His glory. To do so, I'm going to just quickly go over four vignettes, four quick stories from the Old Testament to see God's glory, to understand the value before we get into Romans chapter 3. The first vignette is, is Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve must leave the garden because of their sin. Adam, if you fill the probation test, you will die. Adam fails, and he is quickly escorted out of the garden because that is God's holy place. Second is the Ark of the Covenant being moved on a cart using an oxen, something that God has forbidden them to do. The oxen stumbled on the, as they're carrying the cart. I'm sorry, as they're carrying the Ark, and it's, the Ark is about to fall over. And a man named Uzzah puts out his hands to steady the ark, to keep it from falling in the dirt. And God strikes him dead for putting his hands on the ark. God said, don't touch my holy object. And Uzzah puts his hands up. Very innocent thing, seemingly. But God says, this is holy. Do not touch this. R.C. Sproul had a, made a comment on this. It's like God saying, I would rather this ark fall in the mud than be touched by some unclean Thing like a human hand. Third vignette that points to God's holiness, the value of God's glory, is Nadab and Abihu. This is the sons of Aaron, the two priests. Each took a censer, it says, and they put a fire on it and laid incense on it. They, 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 caused it, they wanted to offer something to the Lord, but it was unauthorized fire, something God forbid them not to do. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died. They just willy-nilly just doing whatever they want to do and worship God. And God says, I am holy, and you cannot do this. Fourth is Jesus, the ultimate prophet. On the Sermon on the Mount, he closes his sermon with saying in Matthew 5.48, Be holy, for I am holy. So that's the standard of existing with God. This is the standard. God says, I am holy. I'm immovably holy. I'm not going to adjust to you. You adjust to me. Being, per being perfect in thought, word, and deed perpetually all the time. This is the standard that God calls us to. And the world reads places like this in the Bible, and they go, what's the big deal, God? What's the big deal with us touching the ark? Why can't uh, Nadab and Abihu just do, the, do their own thing, have freedom and worship? What's, why can't you overlook these things, God? Why is your glory so important? If you asked the Isaiah 6 angels that fly around the throne of the Lord, crying out day and night, holy, 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 if you asked them, Hey, give us your thoughts about us, human beings. They would pull out their fiery sword, like you see in Genesis chapter 3, and they would cry out, sinful, sinful, sinful. We don't realize 
the weight of our sins. We don't understand the weight and value of the glory of the Lord because it's not natural to our value system. It's hard for us to take in and give some kind of value to who we've sinned against. It's otherworldly. And we're too broken to recognize His eternal value. When the latest iPhone comes out, some of y'all know exactly what that value is, the price on it, its functions. If you get it, what it's, what it's gonna, how it's going to enhance your life. You understand the value of that phone because it's in your world. You know it. But we are not moved in our, because our hearts are not spiritually working as they're designed. God's values, His glory is otherworldly. We, have, we, we, we fall short of the glory of God, what we're going to get to in a second, and we just go, I don't feel that like I should. We don't feel the weight of that. Not like the Isaiah 6 angels who are crying out day and night about His holiness. We just go, oh, okay, no big deal. So let's take the high view of, of God's glory from those Old Testament passages. And now let's look what Paul says in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 in your Bibles. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're going to take this in two parts. All have sinned. All have sinned. We, like, like Drew said earlier, we disobey. We disregard. In Genesis 1, God creates the world. He tells everything where to go. Luminaries, you rule the night. Fish, you rule the sea. Mountains, you go here. Plants, you go here. He makes man as the highest, in the highest order. And mankind says, we're going to do our own thing, God. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Turn quickly to Galatians chapter 5. Paul gives us a quick reference. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Paul gives us a quick reference of sin. He calls it the, the works of the flesh. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. He says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, which is sex outside of marriage. Sex outside the design of the Creator. Impurity. Sensuality, which which is basing your life on or be driven by the pleasure you can can experience with all your, your senses. Hedonism, basically. Idolatry. Loving anything above God. Sorcery. Enmity. Enmity being concealed hatred, that that passive-aggressive attitude sometimes we act towards others with. Strife, actively being hostile toward someone. Jealousy, this, I want what they have. Fits of anger, this, why won't my mom just shut up attitude we sometimes have. Or this anger being, I'll tell them, where to go and how to get there. Rivalries. He will never be as good as me. Dissensions. 
You know what they said about you, right? Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, this is Paul here, as I warned you before, again, he's talking to church folks here, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So look at, look at this short list. Look at the Ten Commandments. Judge yourself by the Ten Commandments. All have sinned against God. And look at that and. Look at that conjunction there in, in Romans 3.23. Going back to Romans 3.23. Look at that and. There's something else that we're doing alongside with breaking God's commands. We're breaking His commands and there's something else. And we are falling short. We are falling short of the glory of God. Many times we, uh, we camp out on all of sin and we combine the falling short of the glory of God part into it. So question for us, what, what do y'all think it means to fall short of the glory of God? Filling the standards, filling the standards. That's good, Casey. That's good. That's good. We fall short of his standards. He says be perfect. And he is not moving that, that standard of perfection. And we fall short of that. We sin by commission and sins of omission. Sins of commission being the bad things we do. Breaking God's law. Sins of commission. And then... There's sins of omission, good things that he tells us to do, but we don't. We fail to do it. Even when we try to do the best, it's still not good enough. It's still not perfection. It means we fail to live up to the function of our original design, to glorify him in all we do, to live, to live according to his holy standard, to see and value God on earth, as he is valued in heaven. To love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. But we not only sin by breaking God's rules, we fall short of the glory and fail to do the things we should. Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 with this crushing blow to the idea that you're good enough to get into heaven. After the Sermon on the Mount, the, the death knell to your self-righteousness is nailed in by Jesus. Again, Matthew 5.48, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. His intention here was to help us see that we can never save ourselves by our good works. This verse, and this verse makes sense of Isaiah 64.6, that our good deeds are filthy rags before God. Our best efforts to measure up are unacceptable. It's not perfect. So what does this mean? What does this mean for us? Some implications. Our heart condition, we are spiritually dead in our sins and transgressions. And this connects to Ephesians, Ephesians 2. We're spiritually dead. Our hearts are spiritually dead. Like a, like a dead satellite that can no longer communicate to earth hopelessly drifting into the dark void, that is our hearts without God's Spirit making us alive. This is why the promise in Joel chapter 2 in the fulfillment 
of the promise of the giving of the Holy Spirit is so awesome. God says in Joel 2, I'm going to pour out my spirit on them. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh that loves me, that responds to me, that starts to see the value of my glory in your hearts. Only the Holy Spirit can give us the ability to think and feel deeply in the heart. To think and feel deeply in love and worship toward God, as we rightly should. Without the Holy Spirit, God's glory, it's not on our radar. We, we're just going to do our own thing. To live for the glory of God, I wake up, my default is living for Heath. Doing what I, I want to do. It's alien and foreign without God's Holy Spirit opening your eyes. The effects of sin run so deep that we need to be made alive, as Ephesians 2 puts it. Because of sin, the glory of the Lord is a, it's like a foreign language that your hearts will not understand or know without God giving you a new one. The Bible wrecks the idea that we can attain or maintain right standing with God apart from faith in Jesus. The Bible disabuses us from the idea that we can do anything to merit favor. Even our faith is a a gift from the Lord. So here's some action steps for us tonight. If you're a believer here tonight, number one, if you're trusting in Jesus, if you see that he is holy and you're repenting of your sin and putting your hope and trust in Jesus, and he's given you a new heart. If God has given you a new heart, enlarge your ability to think and feel deeply and worship toward God. Read your Bible. Read the scriptures. Understand more of who he is and what he's done. Someone said, the heart cannot love what the mind doesn't know. The heart cannot love what the mind doesn't know. You want to think and feel deeply about Jesus. And when you see words, when we sing praise and worship music, understand what those words mean. It provides a deeper, richer experience in your worship of the Lord. I know what that's talking about. This is why Paul says, renew your minds in Romans chapter 12. Renew your minds. He prays for the Ephesians that they would grow in their knowledge of Christ, grow in their knowledge of who He is and what He's done for us. Study and wrestle with, God, in, with God's Word. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 says, You will seek Me, and you will find Me when you seek Me with all your heart. God has given us, if you're trusting in Jesus, if you're a believer, God has given you a new heart to do that. Another point of application for us is humility. Seeing that God keeps us, seeing that, that God keeps us locked into an unkeepable standard should make us humble and grateful people always dependent on Jesus. Be holy, be perfect. We can't do that. We need Jesus for everything. How can I be arrogant when I have never once taken a step in God's direction apart from Him 
opening my eyes and giving me the faith to do so. It's all of grace, and let that fuel good works. Third thing, worship Jesus. Worship Jesus for upholding the glory of God. He's, he's removed your sin debt from your sins of commission, but He's fulfilled all righteousness. He has done the works that you should have done but failed to do. Your sins of omission. So let's worship Him for upholding the glory of God. So, what, are, what does growing as a Christian look like? What are some other things that, that growing... What else does it mean to grow as a Christian? Just I'm opening it up for a question. What does it mean to grow as a Christian? What are some other things? Do what? Pray, yeah, absolutely. You take in information from God's Word, and God reveals some new truth, it should go back to Him and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. I didn't see this before, but this is awesome. Yeah, absolutely praying. That's good. More love, more gratitude toward Jesus for all that He has done for us as we walk with Him. We appreciate heroes when we understand the sacrifices they make to save lives. If we see a hero, it's like, this guy's a hero. What did he do? What did she do? And you understand, you go, that's amazing. But that, that, that's amazing is not going to happen unless you understand what they've done. The same thing with the Lord on a much greater scale and level. God's standards perfection. It is impossible for dead hearts to love God with all their heart, mind, and soul. And Matthew 5, be perfect as God is perfect. And here's Jesus. He enters the fray. He comes to earth and he says in Matthew 5, 17, don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to fulfill all righteousness. God demands you you be holy. I'm going to be holy in your place. Jesus says, your hearts are dead in sin and, and you're fallen short of the glory of God, but I will not fail. I will live the life you should have lived and I will die in your place. Jesus did not fall short. Isn't that good news? Jesus did not fall short. He didn't sin. and He walked perfectly before God. He loved God with all of his heart. We see, we see this when Jesus is praying to the Father in John 17. He says, this is John 17, Jesus is praying to the Father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Our hearts grow in capacity to love God when we see the works of Jesus laboring to bring us home. The work you've given me to do It was no easy road to bring salvation into the world. 1 John 4.10 And this is love, not that we have loved God, but He first loved us and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Does your life, does your life show that you love Jesus? We can say all this, you can come in here, but what does your life say? How are you living? When you 
leave this place, what is your testimony by your actions, how you live, what you do? John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, if you love me, if you have a new heart, you'll keep my commandments. And closing up, if you if you're not a believer here tonight, what are you giving your heart to? If you're not a believer, what are you giving your heart to? What are you building your life on? What sin do you need to repent of? Sin is never clean. It always leaves a residue of guilt, a stain that can never be removed, and the best of this world will never satisfy your heart. But Jesus is better. It can never, it can take away your guilt. Jesus can, it's better it can take away your guilt. Like Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. Your heart will be restless until you take up your cross and follow Jesus. Find the power to repent by looking to the love Jesus has for you as he upheld the glory of God in your place. He didn't fall short of the glory of God, but perfectly upheld it and fulfilled the requirements of forgiveness of your sin and for your eternal joy. If you are trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, one day you will have new bodies on a new heavens and new earth, and these bodies will have glorified senses, able to take in the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you've given us. Lord, we thank you that you have come to the, on the ultimate rescue mission of saving us from sin. And you sent Christ to live the perfect life that we failed to live. We, we do not have the spiritual hardware in our hearts to love you as we should. And you are not moving your standard of perfection. So we thank you that you came down and you humbled yourself, took on flesh, lived the perfect life that we should have lived, and then died in our place and rose. Lord, that is the best news in the entire world. Help us, empower us, Holy Spirit, to live for you. When we are tempted by the world's pleasures, help us to see through that phony, temporary pleasure. When we are tempted by sin, help us to remember its, its residue and the shame that we will feel after that. It is not worth it. Sinning against the one who loved us to the point of death on the cross. Lord, give us the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.